Well, I'm happy to be back with you today. Uh, last weekend we were down in the Cedar City area and enjoying our time with the believers there. And I've been to several churches in my life. I've been to several churches like ours. And let me tell you, there's only one church like the church in Payson. It really is just a, a sweet and special fellowship that we have here. And I am so happy to be a part of it. I hope you are too. This is just a really, really sweet place. And uh, yeah, just really glad to be back. Really glad to be with my church family. Uh, once a month around here, we like to take some time in the service to have a ministry devotional when we remember. And uh, we remembered this week. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Christian ministry together for a moment. Please grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke 10. I uh, just want to give you a, a devotional thought from Luke chapter 10 this morning from the words of our Lord. And I want you to have this question in front of you. And maybe you already do. I hope you already do this morning. But uh, have this question on your mind. How can I be an effective Christian? How can I be an effective Christian? Because our heart, I hope, this is what our heart should be, our heart is to honor God rightly and to love other people well. Could that sum up what, what we want to do in this life? <laughs> we want to honor God rightly and we want to love people well. And we want to be effective in this. But perhaps you've wondered, as I've wondered many times of myself, can I really make a difference? Who am I? I'm just one person. I have so many faults, so many weaknesses. Can I really make a difference? I suspect many of you have wondered that about your life. You love God. You want to live for God. You want to love other people well. But can you really make a difference? Well, I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. It's certainly yes, but I think it's even resounding yes. And we'll see a hint of that in Jesus' words to his disciples here in Luke chapter 10. Start reading with me at verse 1. Yours might say 70, yours might say 72. We're not sure if this was a group of 70 or 72, but it was a group of at least 70. <laughs> and it says, After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, 
Even the dust of your city which clings to your feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in, the day, in that day for Sodom than for that city. Well, uh, there are many aspects of the mission that Jesus gave to this group of 70 that are unique to that group. So as you begin to answer the question of how can I be an effective Christian, as you start looking through this and it says carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, oh, got to lose your shoes to be effective. That doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> well, those were some specific instructions to those specific people for that specific mission. There are principles, of course, you can draw from that, but that's not what I want us to focus on this morning. There are also supernatural abilities that were given to this group, weren't there? Casting out demons, healing the sick. And when you try to answer that question, how can I be an effective Christian? Well, don't try to go out and heal everybody who's sick. Don't try to go out and cast out demons, and that's how you'll be effective. Again, specific instructions to a specific group at a specific time. But I want you to see the central mission of this group, because I believe that remains the same. First, of course, is verse 2, where you are to have this mindset of a harvest, that there's a harvest of people out there, there's a harvest of souls out there, and that you're involved. And you can be involved first by praying. Did you notice that in verse 2? It says to beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who's in charge of souls? Well, we have the Lord of the harvest here who's in charge of these things, isn't he? And it's interesting because this is the same sort of commission that Jesus gave the 12 earlier in his earthly ministry. He told them to pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. And then later on, he's got 70 or maybe 72 here. Here are some laborers that God brought in. And he's telling them again, pray for more, more laborers. So you can be a laborer and you can pray for laborers. And what is our labor? I want you to really focus on verses 5 to 8. Notice all this house business. Jesus says in verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. He says in verse 7, stay in that house. And he says a couple of times in his commission here, eat whatever they put in front of you. I, I needed to hear that more when I was a kid. <laughs> I was an only child who wasn't told that very often. I was spoiled in that way. Well, Jesus doesn't let these 70 be spoiled here. <laughs> Don't be picky, he says. Eat what's put in front of you. Appreciate their hospitality. Embrace their hospitality. And did you notice here too, it says at the end of verse 7, do not keep moving from house to house. Now, of course, there is an aspect there where they, he doesn't want his disciples to seem ungrateful. Don't keep bouncing around to see who has the better meal. You know, well, we really choked down that meal last night because Jesus said to eat it, but over there, I, I, can, I can smell ribs coming. Well, they wouldn't, beef ribs for the, for the disciples. I smell those beef ribs over there. And so let's go over to that house. Jesus is saying, don't do that. But isn't this interesting that the heart of their mission is to go to a house and stay in that house when their prayer is for this harvest? I don't know where your mind goes in all of this, but my mind goes to what would be more efficient here? 
going to a house and just staying at that house, I mean, that's fine, but there are a lot of houses. There are a lot of people. So many people need to hear the gospel. And I imagine it would be easy for these 70, or at least some of the 70, to think, we should just hold like a, a concert or a crusade or something in the center of the town and invite everybody to come. Or in our day and age, someone in the 70 could have raised their hand and said, hey, Jesus, from the comfort of our own homes, we can run a social media campaign and we can reach everybody in their phones, laptops, tablets, computers, everywhere. We can reach them and we can, we can get a bunch of people all with one shot. My mind starts going places like there. And I... I think just going to a house and staying there, okay, that seems like this is going to take forever. Don't we want to take neighborhoods, not just individual houses? Well, consider how Jesus in his own ministry modeled this. Just earlier in this Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 7, he was invited by a Pharisee to come over to dinner. And that, of course, is that amazing scene where the woman's at his feet, kissing and anointing his feet. She's got her own tears that are wetting the feet of Jesus. But just think, Jesus was invited to somebody's house for dinner, and he went. I think that's remarkable. Didn't he have a whole universe to manage? <laughs> Didn't he have so many other things to do than to go eat at a Pharisee's house? But he went. And I want you just to dwell on this. Think about each step. He was invited into someone's house. That means he knew people and people knew him. He had some sort of rapport with people, and he was invited over. He wasn't a hermit. For some of you, that may be a challenge. He was invited to someone's house. Pretty amazing. He went to someone's house. How many of you, when you get an invitation, you start thinking up of things to do? So you can say, I'm busy. <laughs> Jesus went. He took time out of his day, living on the earth as a man, obviously the most busy. If anybody had any excuse, it was Jesus. But he went. He ate what was given to him. Wouldn't you imagine? That's what he's telling his disciples to do. He didn't ask what they were having. He didn't say, let me see a menu. Or let, let, me, let me text you my preferences. He went, didn't know what they were going to eat, but he was there, and he ate what was set before him. He sat there and listened to somebody. Jesus doesn't have to sit and listen to anybody. This is the God of the universe. And he takes time to go sit and listen. And of course, we know Jesus was full of grace and full of truth, John chapter 1. You have to imagine that those conversations were saturated in truth and in grace. He was speaking the truth in love as he listened to the one he was dining with, as the one he was sitting with. And you know what else Jesus did, or in this case didn't do? He never looked at his phone. He never turned on a TV. He sat there and he looked at someone else and he listened and he ate what they put in front of him and he spoke the truth in love. He took time out of his day 
for this extremely inefficient task of sitting and listening to someone. Quietly, gently, and in love. I think here we have the formula for how to be an effective Christian. I think we have the the formula right here in front of us. Of course, first is prayer. Remember, that's at the beginning of our passage in verse 2. First is prayer. But we also need more just dedicated, quiet, and dare I say, inefficient ministry. There's a quote that my wife and I like from Paul Miller. Love is not efficient. And he said that quote in the context of examining the Gospels and seeing how Jesus just looked at people. He went to go be with people and just looked at people and listened and spoke. That's not very efficient in our go-go instant culture, in our reach-as-many-people-in-one-shot-as-you-can type of culture. We need more ministry that reflects the love of Jesus Christ in sitting down with someone without distractions, listening quickly and speaking slowly. You know, there's a biblical principle there. And loving well. Because the lie is this. You'll do more if you hurry. The lie is you'll do more if you come, with, come up with a more efficient way to reach more people at once. I think that's a lie. I think real gospel ministry is reflected in the life of Jesus in slowing down, looking, listening, loving. That's how you can make a difference in this world. That's how you can be an effective Christian in this world. You may win a thousand arguments on social media in your life, But I'm telling you, that's not going to be nearly as effective as sitting down and bearing burdens with another soul and just slowing down to love. I need someone to preach that to me about every day, okay? So if any of you want to sign up, (laughs) feel free. But I think that is the, the path to effective Christian ministry. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your example in Christ that you touched our hearts gently, quietly, and from our perspective in a very inefficient way. But you've done so because you care for us. Lord, thank you. We love you, and we ask that you would help us as we go out to a lost and dying world to spend time with people and to love them as you've loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.